Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's episode of Mill Liberty. I'm your host, Caleb Friends. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I'm thrilled to have you here this week. This week, we are continuing our summer interview series. Uh, the last two editions uh, of the series, we had Cliff Maloney, Jr. of Young Americans for Liberty, and we had Jason Stapleton of the Jason Stapleton program. This week, um, I am bringing on Zuri Davis of uh, Rare. We've had um, we've had her on several times in the past as a panelist, but uh, this time I wanted to allow you the chance to get to know her a little bit better. Um, so we we talk about several things, including her her story and how she became um, not just came into politics, but how she came into libertarianism itself. Um, and we talked about some of her philosophy on on uh, taxation, on abortion, on what it means to be pro-life, um, and uh, as well as the death penalty. So we cover a wide range of, of topics and issues. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to shut up and, and let you uh, let you enjoy this. Um, so please sit back and enjoy my interview with Zuri Davis. Zuri, welcome back. Thank you. Um, so Zuri, you've been here on the program before, but this is our first uh, our first conversation we've had just one on one here on the program, and I want to get the uh, the audience a chance to know you a little bit better. Um, so why don't you start off with telling us uh, your story and how you got involved in the uh, in the liberty movement and and how you came to to become a libertarian of all things because. <laughs> Libertarianism is a little bit, uh, it's, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people, so I'm, I'm curious how, how you came to it. Okay, um, well, it's certainly no secret that, that um, I was a very hardline Republican for much of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have too many principles outside of whatever the party did. I was 100% down with it, and it never really crossed my mind. Uh, in some of the areas where, like, some some of those beliefs contradicted themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a rough time for those who knew me back then, I feel, because it was pretty unbearable. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I know around the time I was 16 years old, um, I volunteered on, on Mitt Romney's presidential campaign. And I remember the month after he lost... Um, I just kind of felt like I really didn't know what to do politically because there really wasn't much to do. Um, And around that same time, I met um, our campus, Young Americans for Liberty chapter. Um, They had just started and they came to a college Republicans meeting and advertised. So some of the stuff that they said, I was just like, oh, I definitely agree with that. (laughs) so i started going to some of those meetings and then they just kind of worked on me uh thank god (laughs) and here i am today long story short um so i find that interesting because while you and i have not necessarily had the same um experiences or or uh necessarily the same background we i i find that the more i learn about you we share a lot of um a lot of points in our lives where we have those aha moments uh, and mm-hmm. they, they come rather similar because I, I remember whenever 
I was younger, you know, I, I was the kid in high school who was talking to kids about uh, Rick Santorum, which <laughs> right now that would, <laughs> I don't even think I've admitted that on the show before, but like right now, <laughs> that's uh, that's quite the opposite of what I would ever advocate for. Um, and the the journey itself is interesting because it uh, it I think it illustrates a lot more how liberty is is unifying and, and how much of a community it actually makes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious. So you said you were a Republican. Did you ever have any kind of like maybe left leaning tendencies? Definitely. Um, so I. <laughs> This is going to sound awful, but I always tell people that I had too many Muslim friends uh, <laughs> to be one of those people who was just, like, really awful to Muslim. Just ban them or bomb So them. I am thankful for <laughs> – oh, yeah. So I'm thankful for growing up with some sort of diversity. So I never have to look back and be like, wow, like, I really said that about, you know? Right, yeah. So um, thankfully I was, like, pretty okay there and, like, on some race stuff as well, like – I'm a black woman. It's really hard to, you know, sound like, <laughs> like make a Steve King type of tweet or whatever. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. I, you know? I, I could definitely um, never see that coming from you. Oh, yeah. Um, but I definitely think the biggest one was the death penalty. And I mm. was super, I was never super for the death penalty. But in some ways, I justified it um, still being used but i remember uh, when i was a teenager there was one case where um the guy on death row um his lawyer asked for a dna test um or not a dna test like a whatever <laughs> wow <we're laughs> today i can't word um they asked for like more time to collect DNA evidence, which might have actually exonerated the man. Right. And it was denied. And that always bothered me because I thought that, well, maybe if he did a bad thing, then he deserves to die. But, like, if there's evidence out there, um, that would prove him innocent. Like, he should be allowed to gather that. And I remember at that moment, that's when I started to feel certain ways about, like, the death penalty, Mm -hmm. which obviously wasn't shared by a lot of people around me um so is is that something that you're completely against now um yeah um so i'm i'm like very big in the into the pro-life movement mm -hmm. and pro-life activism as well and i i definitely count that as a pro-life issue see that's interesting because i think um uh, a lot of libertarians are very divided like i i've done episodes on that before i've 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 talked about that before. This it's probably one of the most divisive issues among the libertarian community. Mm-hmm. Um, when I I really don't understand why it is, and I really don't understand why it should be, because you know mm-hmm. on issues like the death pen or yeah the uh, the death penalty um, and things like that, you know most libertarians get it, they understand. Um, but on issues of say abortion, then it's you know it's it seems that there's a bit of an inconsistency. And the same can be said about the right as well. Uh, why, mm-hmm. why do you think the uh, both sides really don't make the connection there? Um, well, I, just the arguments around it are just so emotional and partisan. Mm-hmm. And um, I def- like I have a 
pro-choice libertarian friends, and mm-hmm. we always talk about abortion. And I love our discussions because they come from a place of understanding and respect. So we've never gotten into like a crazy argument about it. But we like notice all the time that like people will just use these weird buzzwords and kind of cheat in their arguments on both sides and like they just kind of talk at each other not to each other and it's just a lot of messaging and conversation around that issue really does need to change for mm-hmm. both sides of the argument um so we just came off of independence day first of all how was do you have any uh, traditions or anything that you that you do for to celebrate our our trees into the crown <laughs> um well back home i would have gone to a cookout um but my family went in my place because i am currently a thousand miles away from home (laughs) in a completely different state um so i just spent some time with some friends and had such a great time so um i saw an article that you shared uh earlier um after uh npr tweeted the declaration of independence and (laughs) and a lot of uh apparently a lot of uh, trump supporters were not too happy so i i gotta ask do you think that's a a sign of the times of the apocalypse to to mistake (laughs) mistake (laughs) a a a tweeting of the declaration of independence to to be actual uh you know calls for for treason and rebellion in the streets (laughs) most definitely um and i always make the joke that um no offense to Republicans out there, but there are a lot of Republicans who swear that they would have been a patriot, um, <laughs> like in the American Revolution. And then you just see people freaking out about the Declaration of Independence and accusing it of inciting violence or being disrespectful to a leader. And it's just like, I highly doubt most of y'all would have had the sense of revolution <laughs> to actually join, like the side that you think you would have joined um but also education what are you doing education system where people don't even recognize (laughs) the words of the declaration of independence i I find that uh very interesting because um i shared something about police militarization and uh and uh, i see a lot of you know conservatives on on my facebook or on twitter um and they don't necessarily like you know speaking out against that however i i i'm trying to you know just comprehend this in my mind like if you're such a strong supporter of the second amendment who who do you think is is actually going to be coming after your guns (laughs) it's it's not going to be it's really funny you say that (laughs) uh in the face of like the recent uh nra (laughs) Um, oh yeah 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 that, that video right right yeah yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, like hippie college students aren't going to be the ones like taking your guns at the end of the day. It's, it's going to be agents of the state. And I don't think they the recognize that. To some capacity. Yeah. 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 I'm advocating that like people shoot police officers before that gets like taken way out of context by right. someone out there. <laughs> right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't think I, I think for all the talk that people talk, I don't think they really they understand the weight of their words and what they're actually like advocating for right and you know that's something that i kind of had an evolution on uh on to myself and i'm sure you know there are other issues similar to that where you've 
had the kind of same experiences um, because Mm -hmm. I certainly thought that, you know, just obey the laws and you won't get shot. But when you actually look at what's actually going on, sometimes even when people do everything uh, right, like in the case of Philando Castle, um, sometimes you still do get shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and sometimes laws are unjustified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah be- besides that. that point, obviously, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was treason in '76 for a reason. So, <laughs> um, so I am, I'm curious, what issues um, would people be surprised that might hear that you're still a little bit more conservative on? And what one issue might be the biggest issue that brought you to libertarianism? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, I'm going to answer those in reverse <laughs> because okay. I think I may need some time to think about that one because my my political beliefs truly have changed a lot. <laughs> um, but I know the one really big issue that brought me to libertarianism um, and kind of kept me there or the two issues were privacy and um uh, um, criminal justice reform. Um, as a conservative, I was very pro, yeah, we need to spy on everyone to get the terrorists. And mm-hmm. I was also very much like, if people commit crimes, they need to spend the rest of their lives in jail, <laughs> basically. Uh, thankfully, I have come out of that <laughs> for both of those beliefs. Um, but in terms of conservatism, um, I know I'm very personally conservative. Um, I think that conservative lifestyles are, like, I don't know, I just think that they're the best lifestyle to live, but also because of that, I believe that people have the freedom to choose their lifestyle, and if they choose to live a more liberal lifestyle, so long as they're not affecting others and, like, harming them, I see no reason why we need to legislate um, their lifestyles, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm very, like, personally conservative, but I think that everyone knows what, like, the best way to live their lives, essentially. Um, I think that's interesting, too, because, you know, I, a lot of people don't think that the two can even come close to connecting with each other. You're either, if you're, if you're libertarian, you have to be, you know, what Gary Johnson said, you have to be liberal on these things, but conservative on these things, and then mm-hmm. there's no mixing of the two whatsoever. That's not allowed because obviously, you know, libertarianism is all about telling telling somebody else how to uh, how to live a libertarian lifestyle. <laughs> um, and and I I think that that can't be said enough. Is just like if you want to be a conservative in, in your practices and your tendencies and your lifestyles, then that's a positive thing. That's not something we should be rejecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was uh, what was the the issues that that you said that you were more conservative uh, on that people might be surprised about? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's so hard to say. Um, I really don't think I have any specific issues. Um, oh. I don't know, maybe, like, I'm not, like, I'd never be an anarchist. Um, like, I believe in, like, the role of government in some areas. I just believe it should be really tiny uh, <laughs> and reined in. So some people don't like that answer all the time, but I'm just like, well, if it's going to exist, at least control the size of how it exists. 
what keeps you from from going to that route? Um, I I don't think uh, there are just too many people out there that mm -hmm. want a government, and those people's desires will always be met. Um, so I don't know. Maybe perhaps one day we could exist without one, but I just don't see that happening anytime soon. So I think mm -hmm. that so long as it does exist, um, we should just make sure that it remains small and accountable and transparent. Would you see yourself more as, as classically liberal or minarchist or what um, would accurately define you? Well, I always say that I'm a classical liberal, but I guess minarchism is more of an accurate description. <laughs> um, so, for example... Uh, like when it comes to police departments um i'm like very weird on the issue where i believe that they're totally fine existing i just think they need a crap ton of reforms but also right. i support those cities that advocate for getting rid of their police departments because in those cases i do believe that the people are better at policing themselves for lack of a better word than maybe some outsiders who don't even live in the city um so it's just like things like that um i think it just depends on like which situation um which is why i think that local governments local communities should have much more power in those types of decisions anyway because they know it's best for their community right because you know something like you know, police issues really is a it's it's a local issue and i think part of the problem is that is that we've kind of had a bit of a group think in in policing in america and that's what that's what led to a lot of the problems that we currently have right or wrong mm -hmm. um it's been you know it, it's been caught up in a collective mentality mm -hmm. um so what uh what person or individual or writing or book has had the greatest influence on to your philosophy Okay, well, I know it's very stereotypical to say this, um, but definitely Ron Paul. <laughs> um, he <laughs> I was can't, the first... well, wait a minute, I cannot tell you how many people I've had on this show to give me that, <laughs> to give me that answer. Um, well, he was like the first libertarian figure I'd ever really come across, so I will always be thankful for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, around the same time that I learned about him, um, uh, definitely the Edward Snowden stuff started and even though I guess like he's a libertarian icon but maybe like for libertarians but not necessarily a libertarian figure um, but just the fact that someone would risk so much um, to shed light on like a violation of a constitutional amendment that most people pretend like doesn't exist at all right. um, that really that said a lot to me and that really stood out um and that was around the same time i started to develop my libertarian philosophy anyway so that was like a big one i i would agree with that too because um i i don't think people really understand the amount of sacrifices that he actually made by mm -hmm. making that leak because obviously all the things that he was doing had to have gone through his head that this I'm not going to have a normal life after this. I can't settle down. I can't, you know, have kids or, or or get married or do any of that. Like 
you know, all of us might want to, to do at some point. And that's, that is, I would consider equivalent to what the founders did in 1776. Mm -hmm. Like that had a lot of weight to it. And it had to be in the back of his mind whenever he, he made the leaks because that's how important Liberty is to him. Yeah. And it was so interesting as well because it was just him, you know? Um, And, you know, I'm, not saying like what he did was like more important than what the founding fathers did, but at least they had a community of like a small group of other men. Yeah, he was and, just completely to like help them out by himself in that sense. Yeah, at least at least here we had you know a a, a nation, <laughs> whereas the the, uh, <laughs> the the people we were fighting against were on the other side of the ocean, so you had mm-hmm. that bit of security. Um, yeah, especially in today's age, that's that's not something that we can be afforded as much anymore. Um, yeah, which in you know going into now that that's been brought up, um, what founding father do you think you have the most respect for? Um, in a weird way, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> um, yes, I do see the irony in all of that, um, but. Even even though it can be argued that he really didn't necessarily abide by all of the things that he wrote down, um, both in his personal life and in his political life, um, I just his words are just so important, um, and they're just so applicable today. And a lot of what he wrote really did rely on the people. And not in that weird uh, populism type of way, but it was just like, keep the masses educated. And that's so important. Um, And I still believe that's important. Mm -hmm. I assume you're referencing things like slavery and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which I will say, yeah, the founding fathers are not above criticism. And I feel like that is a fair criticism. But also, I I do think that he deserves um, praise for the other things that he did <laughs> mm-hmm. well i'm glad you brought that up because next week that's something we'll be diving into on the show on the topics we have for for uh next week is slavery and the founding fathers because while some of them i i would say that's it's very fair criticism others i i would say uh even people like jefferson get a lot of it, they get a lot of harassment about things where we don't understand it as much in the reference mm-hmm. of the time frame as much as we do looking back at it um mm-hmm. which i which is not completely like justifiable but it's still important to to recognize some of those things it's Definitely. it's like what i think the uh the abortion issue you know there's going to be a lot of people who looking back throughout history you know, they look back into this time frame and see people who support abortion and just go, how could you possibly, especially mm-hmm. with the way science is developing and and we're, we're starting to, to really understand when life actually begins, it's it's going to be increasingly more difficult to be able to defend it. Um, uh, yeah. Is, uh, is, is taxation theft in your view? Uh, <laughs> um. Technically, yes. <laughs> okay, this goes down. I'm gonna get so many like bad messages after this. Um, <laughs> if if it must be justified and if they must be collected, I think that 
people should be able to choose um, how much they want to give and where they want to apply it. Um, and I forget which state it was, but a couple years ago, one of the state representatives made a GoFundMe, and mm-hmm. it was like out of anger because they couldn't pass a budget, but then people really donated to it, and they were like, oh, give $2 to education. Uh, give like $3 for like... Um, whatever specific service and it's like yeah like let let people contribute to the services that they use or that they want to see continue and then that way it also cuts down on the government waste uh when they pay for bad services that no one cares about like thousands of dollars to pay for desk (laughs) furniture or something so i think that's that's honestly one of the better arguments as to as to why it is theft because right now we don't necessarily have a say there's always you know a lot of people who say well if you don't you know if you don't like taxes then you don't use roads or whatever which first of all it's like i i find it hard to believe the market can't provide for roads yeah (laughs) it's a flat strip of land (laughs) like uh what do what do you tell um the old man who's never married or had children uh when he is forced to pay for the education system. Exactly. It's it, just it, like it he doesn't benefit from that. Yeah, it doesn't really matter um, if if I use some of the services because my taxes would go to that regardless of if I used it or not. Yeah. If if there was like a say-so about that, then you would have some, some merit in that uh, in that argument. But at the end of the day, it it really doesn't matter. You don't get that option. Mm-hmm. Would you say that being uh, pro-life is is one of the cornerstones of your of your philosophy? Definitely. Um, and being pro-life definitely translates into other issues. So because of that, um, I'm very much a non-interventionist where I do think that we should hit back um, when we're being threatened directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just can't support things like um, I, I can't support certain foreign policies that lead to the death of innocent people so we know drone warfare for example right. um, under our president who somehow uh, was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> um, we know that the lives of many innocent people were taken and totally disregarded because they were just in the wrong place in the wrong time. And I don't think that that's right. Um, that innocent people should suffer for the actions of government. Um, so <laughs> I think that also goes into other areas as well. Um, so for a lot of criminal justice reform attitudes, I think being pro-life has helped me, um, be better on that issue. Um, I worry about things like, uh, the treatment of prisoners while they're incarcerated. Um, so definitely the Khalif Browder story where he was put in prison without a trial. Um, and he spent two out of the three years in prison in solitary confinement. And it basically stories like that definitely touch me now because it's just like, well, this is a person, um, whose life is essentially taken away from them. Uh, and even though there were constitutional protections against it, um, like he never had access to them, and he unfortunately. Had it. How how do we find 
any sort of unity um, in the country today? Because you cover all sorts of stories. Uh, just just finding out of everything that you, you look at and you cover on your uh, media diet every day, um, obviously there are more negative stories than positive. How do you think that there can be any sort of unity um, among all groups of people? Uh, don't take politics so seriously. Um, don't take <laughs> division so seriously. Um, it literally costs nothing to be a decent human being and to engage people in conversation correctly. And something as simple as going into a conversation in order to gain understanding, not because you just want to prove yourself right, that seriously changes like the entire route that it can possibly go and just kind of understanding that most people aren't as extreme in their beliefs as we'd like to think and people are just like very moderate on most issues and only like only really care about the issues that affect them directly but a lot of times those aren't even political uh there are other issues and we should just get to know people and speak to each other with respect and just gain understanding from their perspectives um, do, do you see uh, libertarians, not necessarily the Libertarian Party, but, but just people who have an understanding and an adoration of liberty, um, do you think that there's any chance that they will have a comeback in the next, you know, next few years or, or any kind of strengthening um, in, in, their, in their side of the movement? Definitely. Um, so people because people are so inherently moderate at the end, end of the day um libertarians just need to get better at messaging honestly because um, sometimes we do get a little wonky um or a little too headstrong and people are very turned off by that uh but i think that our ideas are pretty much there so with better messaging um we could probably see better results than what we saw say in the 2016 election <laughs> <laughs> what a wasted opportunity that was yeah it was very disappointing to <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> if you really that. can't find anything to to work with when you're going up against against donald trump and hillary clinton like come on that's like if if the best you can do is find a guy who at the end of it practically vouches for hillary clinton to be president like mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think um, it's just like there are so many, there are just different ways to answer questions. And I think a big problem in the liberty movement is that people don't understand that there are different ways to answer questions. And like, just if we could get better at <laughs> hearing a question, like, and then trying to connect it with what we ask actually believe instead of just answering the question from personal views like i i think that would just help <laughs> so <laughs> a, a lot of things went wrong i feel <laughs> so, <laughs> i mean i still vote for gary johnson because at the end of the day um i wanted there to be a third option mm-hmm. um in the debates come 2020 but i guess we have to wait <laughs> four <laughs> more years for that to happen so well it's always uh you know it's always an uphill battle, but maybe one day. Mm-hmm. Um, what what one book do you recommend, or would you give out to people um, if if they ask for that? 
definitely conscious of a conservative. Uh, a stereotypical answer as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think that um, it, it explains um, what conservatism should be well. And um, a lot of people, like, I'm definitely one of those people where I see a lot of overlap in classical conservatism and libertarianism. And I think that great things could happen if those two groups of people finally came together. Um, But I also believe that a lot of conservatives along the way have kind of lost their understanding of what that means. And just Barry Goldwater kind of breaks down pretty well that like changes internal and a lot of things are about the individual not the collective um and that's important that's an important reminder that we all kind of need that it's all about the individual (laughs) and that's inherent in both conservatism and libertarianism i think Mm -hmm. that's what unites the two i would say is the is the desire to bring out the best in individualism and reject collectivism Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, what final, if you could wrap up and just give one message, uh, for everyone to hear, if it, like, if you were standing on top of, I don't know, a, a stadium or something and everybody had, you know, had your attention, um, and you had one message to give, what would that be? Um, it'd definitely be, um, talk to someone who disagrees with you, um, just engage the other side whatever you believe that is so whether or whether that is talking with someone or reading an article from a source that you kind of hate um it's just important uh so you can begin to understand where people come from and understand why people disagree with you just for clarity you mean like go out there and yell at their face and and tell them why they're wrong right oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what you mean yeah, by so outreach respect, right i should add that engage people with respect oh yeah that's <laughs> super effective <laughs> that's that's what i always see on online is that everybody is just eager to talk to the other side and and tell them why they're wrong um zuri oh, yeah. what uh where where can they uh where can everyone find you on social media um people can and like me on Facebook. Um, I have a author page. It's like really crazy because I'm still learning how to manage it. So bless me. Like <laughs> if you ever see anything that's wrong, just send me a message, please. Um, <laughs> or you can tweet at me. Um, it's Reel Davis. Um, it's easier to write down than to say. I thought I was being very creative because someone had already taken the various twitter handles that i wanted before i settled on that <laughs> one so <laughs> yeah I, um and you can definitely find my writings at rare.us all righty and um you can of course follow me at caleb franz on twitter and follow the show at Liberty. uh be sure to give a rating and a review um on itunes so that way we can <laughs> we can know that we're doing a good job um and uh be sure to also subscribe to us so you will never miss an episode or an update um next week like i said we'll be talking about the founding fathers and uh slavery because like i said last week we 
I, I've been wanting to do more history-oriented episodes, so that's what we're going to be doing. Um, and then after that, we'll just continue on with their summer interview series that I will release the name for the next guest next week after that. Um, but until then, we'll see you next week.